Welcome to the Marian Message presented by the Mosaic of Marian podcast. Each week we'll hear God's Word explored by Dr. Henry M. Meadows Jr. as he preaches from the pulpit of Marian Baptist Church in Chatham, Virginia. We pray that this message will be a blessing and further your walk with God. Let's join him now. Hey, quickly, turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter. I know that says Hebrews 11. We're going to go there. Let me give you a little background real quick. Go to Genesis chapter 5. In, in Scripture, this is known as the death chapter. If you look through it, here's what you'll read throughout this whole chapter. He lived this many, and he did this, and had children, and then he lived this many more years, and he died. And he died. It's like waves that just crash upon the shore, one right after the other, and he died, and he died. Right in the middle, we read about this guy named Enoch. Listen to what the Bible says. When Enoch, and this is verse 21, when Enoch lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked, you ought to underline that, he walked with God after he fathered Methuselah. So something happened in the birth of that child that he looked and he said, oh my goodness, this is miraculous. I just saw my wife give birth. Something happened there. But we know after that he walked with God. And he says he fathered Methuselah. Three years he had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365, which is a very short time in those days. If you read throughout the rest, I mean, you got guys living 962, 969, 800, 900. But notice what happened. Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. So there's something about this walked with God truth. Now, so many times, and even me, we'll read that passage and we'll just look at the rapture aspect of it. We're not going to do that today. Now flip over to Hebrews chapter 11 and now stand at the reading of God's word. That was just sort of introductory stuff there. In Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to start at verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found. That means they looked for him because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Father, go before me. And go with me right now. God, may you use me as your vessel, your instrument of truth, because it's your word and not me. There's nothing good of Hank. So God, right now we bow in your presence and we ask you to move and help us to look to you. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. What I really want to talk to you about, because we have a little something we're going to deal with at the end with Hope Center Ministries. Um, but I want to talk about walking with God. I want to, and I want to, today I want to unpack what that means. And I want to ask you this question, do you walk with God or do you claim to walk with God? This whole text is about really that. So I want to listen four things that talks about walking with God. Number one, you can only walk with God if you do it by faith. Notice what the Bible says, it's by faith 
he was taken up. And then if we go over here, it says that he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So that tells us that he had faith. Now, everybody wants to give me a great definition of faith. Here's the best I can do using an acrostic out of faith. Forsaking all, I trust him. Can you say that about? So often we trust our finances. We trust our health. We trust our job. We trust our family. We trust this. We trust anything. But if you really want to walk by faith, you got to only trust in God ultimately over everything else. We walk by, the Bible says we're called to walk by faith and not by sight. Nobody here today can say, I've seen Jesus. I've seen, I've seen people work for Jesus. I've seen the, it's like the wind. I've, I've felt the presence. I've understood that I believe that he was working in the midst of this, but I've never seen him nor God. Now, there are some people back in the day, in, in the beginning of the New Testament times after his birth, that could say, I saw Jesus. I think about 1 John, and he says there, the very, that which was from the beginning, which we have seen, which we have looked upon with our eyes, and our ears have heard, and we have handled concerning the word of life. So John could say, man, I've seen him, and let me tell you all about him. But today, I just stand here and say, I've never seen him, but let me tell you all about him. See, some would say, well, preacher, you have a blind faith. I don't have a blind faith. I've got a whole book that tells me all the works that's never been proven incorrect. Every turn of the archaeologist, archaeologist, let me say that right, archaeologist, spade, proves more and more the validity of the, the Bible. And we could get into that, but I don't have time to unpack all that. Go to John, I think I have up there John 10. It should be John 20. 29. Flip there real quick. Listen to what Jesus said about this truth. Because, by the way, faith is not when you can feel, see, touch things. Faith is when you can't do any of that. In John chapter 20, you know the story. I read this a few weeks ago. It's just talking about Thomas. But at the very end, Jesus said to him in verse 29, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Blessed are they who've not seen and yet believed. Flip over in your Bible to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14 and, and verse 23. Listen to this. Paul Ryan says, the whole context is don't call someone else to stumble by what you eat or by what you do. And he gives us, and then he gets here. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. You want to walk with God, you got to have faith. Because let's just be honest, can I get a witness of this? It's going to get hard. It's not, listen, 
It's not going to be easy. I, I have people, when I, especially when they're adults and, and you know, middle age or early on, 20s, 30s, 40s, uh, somebody will come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, and, and a few weeks they'll go by, and, and that old boy, that old girl will uh, text me or call me or see me at church, and they'll say, man, this isn't easy. Ever since I gave my life to Jesus, my life has fallen apart. By the way, that's usually what happens, isn't it? it you, you put that bullseye, and the enemy says, now, you, I think back to the screw tape letters. Anybody ever read those by C.S. Lewis, screw tape letters? Kim's favorite book in all the world. Um, he, he couldn't keep this guy from getting saved, but what he says, now you get them busy so they can't grow in their faith. You make the world fall apart so they think it's not worth even attempting to live it, and they fall back to what they used to do. Your faith is vitally important. And then notice what it says right there in Hebrews. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. you got to believe it, and you have to know it. If you're going to walk with God, you got to have faith in it. Let me give you the next one. To have faith, you need to draw near. You got faith, now you want to draw near. You know, I used to love to hang out with my dad. I mean, I used to love, we, we had the same likes and the same enjoyment and same this. I just loved to hang out. Maybe some of you didn't like to hang out with your dad. I loved to hang out with my dad. Because number one, you never knew what he was going to say or do. That was part of it. But we had this kinship, but... If my dad taught me how to fish, which he did, my dad taught me how to hunt, and he did, and he taught me how to play ball, and he did, but he never taught me about Jesus, here's great words, here's a failure. He taught me how to draw near. And that was never more needed than the day he dropped dead. It was never more, and you know when he taught me the most was in the moments of that morning. I've told you before, the moments about 4 a.m. that morning when I went and got his Bible. There's nothing special about his Bible other than he had written in it, and I could read some things that he wrote. And he talked about this passage about having faith no matter what. And he wrote in there this, and I'll never forget this. He said, when the storms come, we have to stay true to our faith in Jesus. Can I ask you this question? When the storms come in your life, do you draw near or do you push away? And that's so vitally important, isn't it? And I watch, I watch people that I love and I'll encourage them like, man, and, and those that have walked through stuff, what is the one thing I always tell you? Miss Laura, what did I tell you that day? I said, draw near to Jesus right now, sister. And anybody else, what did I say? I said, draw near. Because when your heart is being ripped out, when you don't feel like you can get another breath, no matter what's going on, you draw near and you hold on tight.
This is a picture of walking with God, drawing near. This is the key to your spirituality. This is the key. Drawing near. Uh, Listen, now flip to Romans chapter 1. It is totally unlike Romans chapter 1. Hear these words. You can either draw near or you can suppress the truth. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. This is verse 18 of Romans 1. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God's shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in that things that have been made so they are without excuse. When you don't have faith and you don't draw near and you suppress the truth and you don't want to hear it, listen, the wrath of God comes, not the love and the patience and the grace of God. This points to a disciplined life. And I got to thinking as I was reading that and thinking about this passage and and about Enoch and what must he have had in his life and what do we need today? Can we just agree with this point? This world going crazy. I don't care what side of the aisle you on. This world just going crazy. Folk are defending people that are nuts. That's the only way I know to put it and things they do. All we know to do is is call each other names. How do you live in this environment? Let me tell you the way to live. I'm going to give you four disciplines I think ought to be in your life. Number one is prayer. You can gauge somebody's spirituality by their prayer life. Can can I, you you want your pastor to be brutally honest? I struggle with this at times. There it is. I get so busy that I think, well, I'm just going to throw up this little prayer here because I got so much to do. I got, I got texts to respond to. I got emails to respond to. I got to read this book. I got to, I got to study. And you just sort of throw in a little prayer. I'm challenged by some of the early church fathers. I forget which one said it, but he had a day that was full, and, and he, he writes this in one of his journals and in a book, and I wish I could remember what he says. He says, I have so much to do today, I must get up three hours early to spend in prayer before the day dawns. Holy macaroni. I'll encourage you guys and myself to get up five minutes earlier, ten minutes just to pray, and I'll get the looks like, what? What's your prayer life like? I believe Enoch had a good prayer life. How about this one? Worship. What? Nobody's talking about vacations. Everybody deserves one. Go on one. Fantabulous. What about when you're not on vacation? Where you at? Church is full of hypocrites. Yeah, and you're one too. I 
I don't need to go to church. Really? Jesus said he built the church. And we're the body of Christ. Is not the church the body of Christ? So I don't understand how you can say you, you love Jesus, but you hate his body. Or I don't see the importance of it. Can, can I be another real? When I was growing up, man, I told y'all, I've said it before, my mom and dad they gave me my first drug problem. They drug me to church every stinking time the doors were open, man. Y'all don't even know, man. See, some of y'all, you don't make your kids come half the time. I had to go. Mom, I got, I got baseball practice tonight. Ah, well, stinks to be you, son. We got church. Five-day revival. Y'all, see, y'all don't know, but we're going to have a revival October 15th, and it'll be Sunday morning through Wednesday night. Y'all, can I get a witness, y'all? It used to be five days all week long, Sunday morning through Friday or Saturday, possibly through the next Sunday. You with me? You got me? You sure? You, you with me? Okay. Y'all know those, I mean, those long ones. Mom, man, look, I'm going to be a little late. I got, I got practice right at school. Uh-huh. My dad would say, 515, that truck better be pulling in that driveway. So you got time to take a shower, eat you a little bit, so we can be at church early. See, it won't know, let me roll up in there the last fight when they would already started. It was not that. It was, we're going to be early. Like we beating the preacher there. Well, preacher, what are you trying to say? I hated that. Man, you got I'm the only one walking out of practice early. Where's Hank going? Mama making him come home. Daddy making him come home. My mom and dad weren't my best friends. That came after. They were my mom and dad to see they set what I was going to do. Preacher, but you said you hated going. I did. I'm not going, who, like, who likes to come to revival when you're 17? I am so thankful that I had a mom and daddy that knew worship. And just throw this in. I love it when people now, this is how I respond. I think we ought to go back to the old days, man. Really? Let's not go back to the old days. Let's go way back to the old days. You do recall that the old days, they had church every day of the week. They would gather in somebody's house. Go back to Acts. If we're going to go back in the day, let's go back in the day. Worship's important. I think you ought to be a church. I mean, we got folk here from Halifax that are here every Sunday, a lot of Sunday nights, Wednesday night, from Halifax. And there are some within 10 miles of this place that won't come unless they feel like it. How about Bible reading? When's the last time you broke open your Bible? You just got alone. Sat down. You ought to have your place, man. You ought to just have your place in your house. Just your place, man. Your family knows when you're in that place, you're meeting with God. And unless the whole house is burning down, they just sort of leave you alone for those few minutes. 
I mean, just get along. And now if you're going to start, and I pray, here's my prayer. You'll start either tonight or in the morning. Don't, don't start in the book of Ezekiel. That dude crazy. I want to meet that guy in heaven. Now, as you grow in your faith, yeah, read Ezekiel. You ought to read it all. But it took a special dude. Am I wrong, Bruce? It took a special dude to do what God asked him to do. Guy's wife dies and the Lord said, don't you dare cry. I, I can give you, just read it. You'll, you'll be like, preacher. How about just starting in the Gospel of John? Or 1 John tells you all you can know. And then, how about this? Just memorize Scripture. Some of you are like, what? I can't hold it. Just try. If you cannot tell me, you're way early in September right now. What's the day? The third? If you took one verse of Scripture, and that's all you learned all this month, and you did one a month for the rest of your life, I mean, you're probably talking about 50, 60, 100, 400 Scriptures. You'll know when you die. How about this is where we slack? Those things are hit or miss, but how about this one? Service. Y'all want to see y'all. Y'all should see y'all right now. I said that word service, and we know the word serve comes from it, and here's what over 50% of y'all did. Like a little two-year-old, if I'm not looking at you, you don't see me. And then when I said, y'all ought to see y'all, everybody was like, whoop. Man, I'm just, sorry, y'all, y'all don't have to hear up. Pastor going to fuss at the congregation just a little bit. You know about me doing it. We shouldn't have to beg y'all to teach in the children's department. Everybody want to change our country, but nobody want to help be the change. We want to complain, but not come alongside. I mean, literally, we are begging people to teach in Glow Kids, in our children's department. We can't even keep, get people to be in the nursery. We got 12 kids sometimes down in the nursery, and we'll have one person. Y'all ever see the one lady that come out with her hair sticking straight up? That's the one been in now because my grandson is now, and he wide open. And then you add my granddaughter, son. Well, where are you serving the Lord? Where are you serving the Lord? Helps you draw near. Let me give you the third thing. Just move. I'm, I'm literally going through. So by faith, for whoever believes, it has to draw near, and you must believe that he exists. This is the fundamental truth of all Scripture and your faith. The, I believe this is the most fundamental truth there is. Everything else flows from this. In the beginning, God. I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. If you can get past those first four words of the Bible, the rest of the Bible is easy. 
in the beginning God. Well, if he was there before the beginning, which that statement implies that he was already there, what is it that he cannot do? What is it that he cannot do in your life? What, what is it that he cannot take away? What is it that he cannot add to? What is it that he cannot do if he's God and by his words, he, and look, I was, oh, Lord. I was on Twitter, that was, or X, whatever it's called now. This one guy makes a statement about that, that he's God and he believes in, in a, a, a young earth and he believes in Genesis 1 is an accurate representation of seven days and all this. And this one guy says, well, I've been studying it. It goes back to what we talked about this morning. If you've got to tell me what you are, then you're not much of one. Right, Bruce? This guy says, well, I've been a theologian for 30-some years, and I've really studied the Greek, and I've studied the Hebrew. And if you get down to it, there's no possible way that light could have been first because he didn't make the sun until, like, I don't know, day three. Well, you know me. I don't get in arguments on Twitter. I just DM'd him. Here's all I responded. It would seem to me as a theologian of 30-some years that knows all these things and has, he literally says, I've got four PhDs and I've got this. I said, you would begin to understand that God can do whatever God wants to do. Period. He didn't respond. Anybody want to tell me? We put God in this box. God, this is what you're going to do, and you're going to be just like me, and I want you to be just like me so I can control you. That's religion. That's not faith. And by the way, I wrote this down. I said, he's not the man upstairs. I cringe when I hear that. You know, the man upstairs, and I'm thinking, is there somebody living in my attic? that I don't know about? Is there somebody somewhere above this that I can't see? In case you don't know, here it is. He is Yahweh, Jehovah God. I go, he is the one true God. He is the creator, the sustainer, the provider. He is the captain of our salvation. He is the, the one who is, was, and is to come. He's the second person of the Trinity, the first person of the Trinity, the second person of the Trinity, and the third person. He is God. Quit calling him something other than God. Because, by the way, I just believe you're taking his name in vain when you say he's the man upstairs. Why are we so afraid to say his name? We don't want to say Lord. We don't want to say Jesus. Flip over to John chapter 1. I mean, let me give you something. I got, I got to finish up, man. I got to finish up. John chapter 1, verse 18. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Jesus has made him known. So remember that. Remember Romans chapter 1. Now go to Colossians. Romans 1 says they didn't say suppress the truth till the wrath is shown. But now to go to Colossians chapter 1. I love this. He is, talking about Jesus, the image of the invisible God. 
If you want to know who God is, know Jesus. Go to John 14. John 14. John 14. We all all know what it says in verse 7. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. I, later on, a little down there, I, uh, verse 10, do you not believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? But the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe that me that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me. First John chapter 5 and verse 10. Whoever believes in the Son of God has this testimony in himself. Talking about that they are Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he's not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. You want to know the Father? Get to know Jesus. You want to know Jesus? Get to know your Bible. You want to get to know your Bible? Just spend time in it and draw near. Let me give you the last one. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. So we know by faith he came by faith. And Enoch also drew, draw, draw, drew near to God and that he believed that he existed. And then lastly, he rewards those who do what? Seek him. The, the scripture is replete. And I'm just going to give you a, a few. I'm going to give you some Old Testament ones that you can look up on your own. And then um, I'm going to give you one New Testament one that I'm going to read. You can go to 1 Chronicles 28.9. It talks about seeking him. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17. Jeremiah chapter... We all know verse 11 of Jeremiah 29. Go read verse 13. And then I want you to flip over to Luke chapter 11. And verse 10. Here's a great truth. For everyone who asks, receives. I love this one. The one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, it'll be opened. We, we talk a lot about that, don't we? I wish God would would do this, and I wish God would answer this. But do we, in the midst of it, seek Him? Do do you strive to know Him? I mean, when was the last time there was something in your life that you needed that you just went to heaven and barraged it with prayer? Well, he didn't answer it yet. I've I've been praying a week and he hadn't hadn't answered it yet, preacher. Then pray two weeks. Well, he didn't answer it in two weeks. Well, then pray three. Well, preacher, I've been praying for a year. Well, keep praying. I've been preaching, you don't understand. I've been praying for 10 years for this one thing. Keep praying. Or do we just give up like we do so often? 
So maybe you could say this. Preacher, man, if I have faith in him and I draw near to him and I, I believe he exists and I seek him, what happens? It's a great question, isn't it? If I come by faith and I draw near and I believe he exists and, and I seek him with all my heart, what happens? Great question. Let me answer it with a verse of Scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's what happens. When you put all that together, see, when you put all that together, here's what you're doing. You're repenting and acknowledging that you're a sinner. Just like the thief on the, I could take you to that. The thief on the cross is a great picture. You can listen to our podcast. So we, we just break that down fully about the thief on the cross. He repented. You don't think so? You know, remember what he said one time? Listen, we're getting what we deserve. He's done nothing. There's repentance. And you acknowledge him and you love him. Well, that obviously means you're going to accept him as Lord and Savior. What is Enoch really about? Yeah, he's about the rapture, but I really believe Enoch's about drawing near. About one who walks with God. Because you see, I will throw this in, there is going to come a day. I believe Scripture teaches that those that walk with God will not be because God will take them. Hello. By the way, and I, I could do so much more preaching, y'all. I'm going to stop in just one second. I'm going to stop. And if not by rapture, if you read to the end of, of Hebrews, uh, of chapter 11, it talks about those that gave their life, and here's what I'm talking about, of whom the world was not worthy. You know why sometimes people die so unexpectedly, I believe, and I believe they die really young? You want to know why? Because I believe Hebrews 11, the very end, is somewhere around verse 36, between 36 and 40. I believe sometimes God just says, the world isn't worthy of you anymore. Angel, get out of the way. Come on home. We don't like to think that because we're scared of death. Death is just a door. Don't ever forget that. For the believer, death is nothing but a door into the entrance of the place and the way you should have always lived, but we sinned in the garden. Death is not to be feared for the believer. It's really to be embraced. That's a hard concept, isn't it? That is foreign to our ears. We... We pray so often, and I'm done. I'm going to make this statement, then I'm done. Let's go quit. We will pray so often to keep our loved ones out of heaven. 
but we refuse to pray for the loved ones that don't know him to come to know him as Lord and Savior. Mama, daddy, grandma, grandpa, we will pray our loved one. God, don't take them. Don't. And they're going to heaven. You got this other person, you'll never pray for them to come to know Jesus and they'll go to hell without a prayer from you. We got it backwards, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Marian message presented by the Mosaic of Marian podcast. If you would like to know more, you can reach us on our Facebook page or on our website, www.marianbcva.com.